You are now listening to Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gap. Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims and killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them, and that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> Hey, 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 welcome in to another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab. And today narrating will be Todd Fox. That's right. But before we get into the episode, I'll let you guys know where you can find us. Look us up on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Just type in Grinding True Crime Podcast. There you can follow our page, like our page, leave a comment on our page, and we will greatly appreciate it. Even if you don't want to follow us, at least subscribe. That gets us good ratings. With all that being said, you can listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, and Podvine, as well as Zencaster if you want to listen to us. And if you're outside of the U.S., continue to listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Become a Patreon member exclusively only on Podbean. All you got to do is download Podbean, click the Patreon uh, link, and you can become a Patreon member. We appreciate all the ones who are already a Patreon member. We really do. And if you want to be a Patreon member, just follow the link on Podbean. Also, want to make a quick announcement. Uh, merchandise will be coming really soon. We're looking around March, if not uh, April of the latest. Uh, we're going to be updating our merch. So be on the lookout for that. With all that being said, listeners' discretion is advised because we do get into details that can be unsuitable for a certain audience. So listener discretion and advice. Okay. I think I said all my piece. I'm going to turn this over to Todd so he can break down the story for us. Todd, you have the floor, my man. Thank you, sir. <clears throat> well, this one has to do with a couple. So last Bonnie and Clyde. Yes. Yes. If Bonnie and Clyde were sex fiends. Or what? Sex fiends. Sex fiends. I mean, they probably was. Well, I mean, with each other, but we don't. <laughs> I think I'm like dumb, but what on earth is that? Bonnie and Clyde? No, no, no she's no. saying sex fiends. So basically, it's just people like really heavy sex drive and all. You no, know, they're big on sex about everything. Yeah. Who? Yeah, or they just they just can't get enough of it. But. They can't get enough. They just gotta gotta have it. Okay. Beyond nympho. Yeah. So nympho. Yeah. Because yeah. we we've done it. We've done a couple cases before where there's been couples, and the depravity that they do and just is crazy. But this one is definitely listener discretion is advised because there's a lot of stuff in here. It's pretty heavy. So mm. last. I know that- yeah, last few cases I've been doing, man, I've been finding some pretty nasty ones, and here's another one. Ew. Well, let's hear it, my brother. All right, you've been warned. Uh, 
So <laughs> <laughs> this one might not be known to the true crime community. It's not really a big case for whatever reason. It's in it's deals a lot in the Midwest of the United States. Um so some people the majority of the podcasts that I know of haven't covered this case. Um and it could go along with a narrative, a specific narrative. But let's get started. Uh we're gonna talk about Alton Coleman. Alton Coleman. Alton Coleman. Mm-hmm. Um, he was born November 6, 1955, in Waukegan, Illinois. What is with the Novembers? Yep, another one. <laughs> Y'all should be scared of me. Uh-oh, yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> you like to cut off the wang, so absolutely every <laughs> male is scared of you. <laughs> absolutely. You're all, you left the toilet seat up, off with the wang. <laughs> chop! Chop, chop! Seriously, you missed your, your calling, Gabby. You should have worked at a Benihana. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, again, uh, this is going to be in the Midwest. Uh, Alton uh, is an African-American male. Oh, I knew that. Yeah. But I, also, I was waiting for you to say that. Oh, I, I, I knew he was. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly haven't heard that name. Alton, that's that's definitely Southern. <laughs> it is. It is. Um, he lived with his mother and grandmother. Uh, not having a father figure is always detrimental to any troubled youth, no matter the race. It doesn't matter, or, or even the gender. Uh, we've seen women in single-parent homes or no-parent homes that just do not thrive and really have to find themselves. A lot of people make it out with no parents, but there's an awful lot that don't and they effectively blame that on their the way that they turned out or they use it uh because of the no direction to get what they want to do the bad things and justify what they do so um it was tough for alton because it does affect males when they don't have a male figure in the home and um it's it's unfortunate that it's a story that so many men, not only in America, but in other countries that grow up without a father, ha they don't have a mother figure there either because the mother's playing both roles. She has to work. She has to cook. She has to clean, provide all that while usually the kids are at home to fend for themselves or do whatever they want. So, yeah, that's hard. It's very hard. It's very tough. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, he learned what he could from the streets. And Alton was conflicted at a very early age because not only was his mother doing the things that I was telling you about as far as working, providing, um, she was also a working girl. So she was on the street. And oh. yeah. So she was sex, uh, sex working. And her mother which was Alton's grandmother is who uh, he stayed with. Usually the case. Yeah. And uh, it's weird because Alton's mother, you know, she would be gone for periods of times and she had a specific uh, pimp who 
would <clears throat> take a portion of her money, obviously, as they do, and also have it to pay for the hotels or the motels that she would work in. She decided, you know what? This is not going to work. Uh, I need to have uh, my own place. So she talked her mother into, you know, not being her pimp, but allowing her to have a room dedicated for sex and her sex work as her regular work was drying up. She began to do more sex work. So her mother let her take the Johns home with her instead of having a pimp and having to pay the extra fees for hotels and whatnot. That's crazy. Yes. I used to think that the pimp would pay those fees if he's using her to make the money. Oh, absolutely not. No, 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 no. Uh, the the pimp needs a new car, needs rims, needs a, a hat. Oh yeah, the pimp hand has <laughs> suit. Trunk. That pink and rain. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah. So it's. Dang, so it was house calls then. Yeah, literally, literally, and um, you know, just like what we talked about in the last case with Alan Legere his father was a John to his mother and Alton was also a John's son so she got pregnant from one of the men that had sex with her obviously oh. but I mean her client he was a John's son yep and it didn't help that she was pregnant still doing sex work in the community and her mother who was allowing this practice to happen under her roof was not only uh, made fun of because of the family life that they were displaying in front of everybody but she was a major practicer of witchcraft Uh. yeah she was casting spells on anyone that uh, made fun of the family talked crap uh, she would just randomly be cooking things, burning things. Um, she was weird. The grandma was weird. Where you say they were from again? This is in Illinois. Oh, okay. All right. So, um, that she's she's burning. Uh, you would think this is Louisiana behavior. Yeah, but for real. Yeah, but this is this is uh, Illinois, and she's over there burning small animals, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. Chicken feet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So let's let's dive into the mom's uh, background real quick. Um, she got pregnant with her first child at 14 in 1948. Damn. Yeah. So this woman was was doing some stuff that again women weren't doing it at at that time period, or at least it, you you were looked down upon. Mm-hmm. Big time. Um. Now get this: her first arrest was because she intentionally gave a man syphilis. What? Yeah. She knew she had a sexual uh, disease and uh, she gave it to him on purpose. Like she, I guess it was found out that she had bad intentions to sleep with this man that she normally wouldn't because she didn't like him for whatever reason. Wow. Mm -mm. Yeah, she was What a way to get at somebody you don't like. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You don't like me? Get this AIDS. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's disgusting. But um, she was 16 at the time, and she slept with an adult. 
Um, oh, wow. Yeah, she would go to jail for that intentional syphilis. You know, I mean, I don't know how you prove that, but they did prove it. Right? Isn't that, isn't that how twisted things were? Like, she was a minor, but she goes to jail for giving this grown man syphilis. But this man is not frowned upon for sleeping with a child. Exactly. Welcome to the 50s. Damn. <laughs> he's like, he's like, hey, judge, this burns. Yeah, but she's 16. But it burns. What if your drunk was on fire? Guilty, guilty. Yeah. I well, in some countries, and what I learned in some countries, believe it or not, the age of consent is younger than 18. True, true. Yeah, so I'm not saying it was back then, but it was the 50s. Yeah, I mean, it was common for girls to get married young and like, all of that but i'm saying this pig man is having sex with a 16 year old but she goes to jail for giving him syphilis yep <laughs> it's crazy i mean it's, it's crazy how things were back then and again <clears throat> um you had a, a baby out of wedlock i mean that was a, that was worse than almost killing somebody at the time but here mm -hmm. she's giving syphilis so she's lucky she only got two years dang two years two years two years so she leaves Illinois for Oklahoma because she's shamed in Illinois. The entire town of Waukegan, which is not big at the time, uh, can't stand her. And she's a you know marked girl. So she goes to Oklahoma, immediately shacks up with an older man. And uh, they have a shotgun wedding. Why? Because she gets immediately pregnant, syphilis and all. Mm. Um, God. And then immediately after she had her kid, got pregnant again and wow yeah uh for a minute it was good she stayed at home the guy took care of her she raised the the little kids for a couple years and then all of a sudden she went back to sex work and she abandoned the three of them altogether so she left her husband and um uh Two, two small kids. Mm. That's wrong. Yep. Mm -mm. And uh, now the grandmother had moved out of that house prior, and she was living at a house that was real close to these railroad tracks, uh, close to these homeless encampments uh, that were right there, junkyards. It was not the best area. It was an industrial area at best. So we're talking now it's 1955, and um, she comes back to the area. She's with her grand, with, with her mother for a little bit. And lo and behold, she, as she's doing that sex work we talked about earlier, uh, she gets pregnant. And Alton is on his way. And uh, Alton was born, like I said, November 6, 1955. Can you guess what his mother did with Alton when he was born. What she did with him when he was born? Mm -hmm. Like, basically minutes out of her vajayjay. Minutes out of her vajayjay? What did she do to him? Uh, 
circumcise them? I don't know. Um, dang. Uh, yeah, I'm going to just say circumcise them. Okay, Gabs? I don't know why my mind is leading to her doing something disgusting to her baby. I'm going to say she did something sexual to the baby. No. Surprisingly not. She literally had barely got enough strength to stand up. And remember, she has this kid in her mom's house. Because this is like, mm-hmm. you know, this, this is kid, what, number three? Mm-hmm. And uh, so basically Alton slid out. Um, <laughs> but um, she puts him promptly in the trash. Oh, wow. You know what? I should have gone my first. That's what I was going to say. She threw him away. Yeah, she literally put him like you know how you have the trash can as you walk into the kitchen. It's like she was walking towards the kitchen, just dumped him in there, and went into the uh, refrigerator and was like, "Hmm, what do we have to drink? There's some milk. There's some purple wow. stuff. Oh, Sunny Delight." Like she didn't even think twice. He's horrible. Mm, and the grandma came out witchcraft and all, and was like, "No, no, no! You know you don't do this. What are you? You know, start yelling at her. She picks the baby up, starting to wipe him off." cleaning him up and right then and there she knew she was going to raise Alton it wasn't going to be her daughter so how can you wow how do you as a mother I mean witchcraft and all whatever I don't know how she is but you allow your daughter to be who she is, but then she's pregnant, gives birth to this baby, throws him in the dumpster. How do you allow that person to sit and say, well, this is my daughter and she's human. Uh, and she could still stay here and do whatever the hell she wants. Yeah. You would think she would call the authorities, kick her out at least. Right. Yeah. Like at that point, I'd be like, you know what? I'm disowning you. You're a monster. How can you do that? But the problem with it, is that the bills were getting paid by the process. Yeah, I'm about to say they, they got food on their table and a roof over their head. Yep. Yep. So um Damn. the the years would pass by. Young Alton's growing up with men coming and going at all hours of the noise uh of the night. He's hearing noises. Uh, sometimes the men would get physical with his mom. So there's yelling, screaming, the witchcraft mom would have to break in. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Hey, that's crazy. Now get this. And this is another case of the fifties, late fifties at this point. Like, no, I would say 1960. So again, America is very decisive, uh, divisive at this point. You know, they talk about race relations today. It was nowhere close as it was back then. It was very bad. And, one of the Johns left his wallet on the on the nightstand and young Alton at the age of five went in there and stole the money and and the wallet now mm-hmm. police were called and young Alton was arrested what? a five year old <laughs> imagine that I ain't lying He's black, he's five, and, and with white police officers back in that time. Imagine that. <laughs> a five-year-old boy arrested. Hey, he's black. He fits the description. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Yeah, that, that was actually on his record as a youth. He was arrested for stealing a wallet of a John. So. At five, with that kind of mother, what is he supposed to know? Yeah, it's incredible, right? That's the 50s. Unbelievable. Yep. So, at this point, we're feeling sorry for the kid, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we're, we're just... We're just like, man, this kid's up for a... He's up for a tough upbringing. We feel bad for him. Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah but we're not going to feel too bad as as this time goes on. But just at this point, if someone could have came in and rescued this young man, maybe the things wouldn't have happened the way they did. Maybe they still would have. Who knows? But at this point, like I said, you're feeling bad. <clears throat> but um, the run-ins with the lock continue to go on as he gets older because he learns how to... to uh, some of the Johns teach him how to roll dice. He's starting to gamble, uh, smoke weed, uh, drink. At what age? We're talking from... He starts gambling at the age of about 8 or 9. Then he starts drinking and smoking around 10 or 11. So, uh, yeah. This ain't going nowhere good. It's not. It's not. And... Um, He's, uh, I don't know if you guys ever saw that South Park episode. I think, I think Matt has where the grandma starts, um, starts uh, teasing Butters. Did you ever see that one, Matt? Mm-hmm. Okay. Drawing a blank. Well, for those who have, it's sort of what happens in that episode. Um, the grandmother witchcraft, okay? Um, Alton is now regressing because as I told you all the stuff he did up until his teenager years between the ages of 5 when he was arrested until the age he was 12 Alton displayed another characteristic of a serial killer constant Mm. wetting the bed Mm. now where his grandma comes into play is she starts telling him that he's Mr. Pee Pee Pants it sounds funny. I don't but, mean to laugh, but but she literally says, "Oh, there's Mr. Pee Pee Pants. There shits on himself," and she's not saying it in the comfort of their home. She's saying it when they're out and about, when he's with his friends, and basically he's trying to embarrass him at, at every cost in the story. So he's getting more and more resentment for his grandma. He's getting more pissed off. People are laughing at him. They're calling him pee-pee pants. His grandma would stab him with a fork to, to eat because sometimes he would be staring off into space, pinching him, slapping him. She was getting punked by his grandma. Well, she was his bully. Yes. What the hell did she rescue him for? I don't know. What the hell's wrong with this woman? I don't know. This is crazy. Yeah, so he's he's getting punked in front of anybody that's around, and the grandma is just loving it. Just loving it. That's evil. Yeah, so as evil as that gets, again, we're feeling sorry for him right now, but mm-hmm. he actually gets a psychologist who starts to see that he pissed on himself in school they call an emergency meeting so kudos to the school district that he was in at the time um they run him through all kinds of tests they see they have him see doctors psychiatrists guess what the stuff that he gets diagnosed with 
You know what? All the pain in the bed and all that stuff and regressing, it completely points to autism for me. Okay. Mm. I'm going to say it's the 50s. They're, they're, they just pretty much, and excuse my language as a, you know, we don't say it. They labeled him as probably mentally retarded or something like that. Like slow? Like slow. Well, here's the official one. You guys are kind of close, but here's the official one. Disorder, uh, anti-social disorder, uh, personality disorder, narcissistic and uh, uh, obsessive features with that additional diagnosis of including epileptic spasms, which cause the urination and other things, uh, psychosis, and borderline personality disorder to where it seemed like he was bipolar before bipolar was a thing. What? How did they diagnose with all that? How did they diagnose him with personality disorders when this kid is having trouble? Like, he's peeing know. himself. He's not acting in weird ways toward people. Exactly. Yep. I mean, he he had a hard time relating with anybody. I mean, obviously with his... I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So, you know, he's he's going through all these things. He's conflicted in his head. He's been smoking and drinking for a couple of years now. Now he drops out altogether to school. He didn't like all the, you know, they were going to put him in special ed, you know, sort of classes. And uh, he decided not to. Um, So he began being you know, being that weirdo in town, being a voyeur in a way. And this would lead to him sexually assaulting uh, two two girls, two high school girls. Oh, oh wow. Yeah, he would, he would go to jail uh, before his uh, 18th birthday, but he would get paroled in 1976, so at the age of 21. Or I'm sorry, when did I say he was born again? Was it 50 or 55? I always screw up. Yeah, yeah, there you go, 55. Yeah, so he was was 21 when he was paroled. So he was about, or almost 21. So he was was about 20 years old when he was paroled. Mm. So um, after he was paroled, uh, he picked up two more cases of sexual assaults. Okay, now he shouldn't be doing that. I... Yep. And that's the ones that they knew of. And and remember he's he's got no work at this time. He's not really doing a nine to five or anything else like that. So he's just living. Yeah, he's just living and, and hustling or whatever. And uh he gets uh again um those two prior cases that he was originally arrested for, for some mm-hmm. reason the Johnsons decided to dismiss those. So why? They just did. They just they were like uh, either not enough evidence or uh, not a strong enough case. Whatever the the decision, give the kid a break. You know, and because how do you do that after he serves time? I, I have no idea. That makes no sense. None whatsoever. So he he was already like on parole, you know, and uh, so he 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 gets off of parole when those cases were dismissed. 
and he kind of works oddball stuff for the first time in his life. And we fast forward to 1983 in a case where he is identified and there is visual and other proof, other ways to prove that he raped a 14-year-old girl. No. So he gets arrested. Yeah, I'm not feeling sorry for this guy no more. Not anymore. Yep. Yep. And he he gets arrested, but somehow, some way, because of the low bond, he posts bond and is on parole and he's waiting for his court date. Mm. So now I mentioned there was a bond. Sorry. I don't understand those laws. Like, I don't understand how somebody can attack another person, whether you rape them or you try to kill them. Or how are these people allowed to post bond? It's up to the judge and the evidence, I guess. Yeah, but it's like they already have this history, and then they go and rape a minor, and you're just gonna let them go free until they wait for their court date? Like, obviously, he's going to do it again. Yeah, he's got that history. But, well, there's there's, <laughs> there's our Clyde side of the story. You guys want to talk some Bonnie now? Let's do it. All right. So Bonnie is not her real name. It's Deborah Brown. So Deborah Brown. Oh, go ahead. I don't know. I said, okay. So uh, Deborah Brown is uh, is the second part of this equation, and she has a low IQ. Her IQ is not the highest at all. Um, I think it was like a seventy-two or something. It's pretty low, mm-hmm. maybe lower. Um, but she's one of these followers. She's not. She's not a leader at all. And um, this fits the mold. Uh, she was born. November 11th, 1962. She was number one out of 11 children born to her mother. Dang. Jesus. Yep. Freaking freaking birthed a whole offensive team right there. Right? My dad was like, it's like his family. They were 11 kids. Yep. 11. So uh, just like a lot of our other stories where serial killers get their start and they have progressions or their tendencies that lead them to becoming serial killers, such as wetting the bed, killing animals, being beaten by parents, not having the right kind of parents, you know, molestation, things mm-hmm. of that nature, and uh, often head injuries, stuff like that, uh, violence, uh, lead, or it leads to violence and murder for some reason, especially off a of head trauma. Um, so without all that being said, she suffered a head trauma as a child. Hmm. Yeah. And because, because of the head trauma, uh, that she would suffer, it's not specified what happened to her, but, uh, her doctors would diagnose her with, um, being a little mentally disabled because of the severity of the head trauma. Mm -hmm. So that explains the IQ. Yeah, that would explain the IQ and the dependency on others. Like she would, she would literally latch onto someone if she liked them, like a lap dog. That's true. Yeah. So sort of like a "I'm your servant, you're my master" type deal. Yeah. So. Mm. Well, that's sad. Yeah, she was. 
she was literally dealt a bad hand right off the bat. Mm, mm, um, but it stated that uh, I, I looked up, I tried to look up as much as I could about Deborah, but there's not too much on her childhood. But we'll get to the point where she actually is 21, and when she meets Coleman, who was 28. And, oh, yeah, and and Deborah was actually married. She got married at 19. Oh, she married an older guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and Coleman at this point, at the age of 28, was very charismatic. No matter what people said, he was a good talker. Um, he knew how to. He, he just knew how to bond with people. Mm-hmm. And she saw him at a. Uh, I guess it was at a club or or some sort of um, restaurant in in uh, his hometown. She was visiting with her husband, and she literally went right after him the two bonded right away and a couple weeks later she broke off her marriage and clung to Alton wow yep that's crazy yeah little does she know yeah right Mm -mm. so this this would be a recipe for disaster Mm mm-hmm and you you guys won't believe the stuff that they start. So here's where the story gets going. Um, the two would decide to go on the road because he met her right when he's on bond facing the charges for raping the 14-year-old. Mm-mm. So he he he's like, you know what? We need to go on the run. I can't stay here in Waukegan. Um, I'm not going to go to my court date. They're going to come after me baby you gotta come with me and she like leaves her husband all of a sudden they're an item they're gone right jeez that was quick yeah big time and they go on the road and what I'm gonna describe again is pretty pretty graphic uh, this is a definitely a Samuel L. Jackson hold on to your butts uh, this is a tough one right here Um, so let's get started with the crimes May 29th 1984 to be exact Alton Coleman was friends with a 9 year old uh, Bernita Wheat uh, of Kenosha Wisconsin um, a 9 year old I'm sorry with her mother who had a 9 year old sorry Bernita Wheat and her 9 year old sorry uh, the mother's <laughs> Junita Junita Wheat and Bernita I didn't make the names I'm sorry uh, I know you, trust me, I know you did. Yeah, exactly. Um, her daughter, uh, he would go pick up her daughter, uh, Vernita. Now, I, I'm not going to victim shame. I'm not, you know, it is what it is. Hindsight being 2020, Junita was friends with Alton for quite some time. I guess he knew her and she knew him since high school or middle school. Uh, they were about the same age, but. I just don't understand the logic of letting your daughter go with a 28-year-old man to go supposedly pick up a TV. Absolutely. What the hell? Yeah. There's no way in the world. She she said that they were supposed to pick up a TV and a stereo, and they were going to come back later on after they picked it up. It was not that far from their house, so that was it. 
the problem is he would never come back nor her daughter would um mm. later that evening however at 11 o'clock now this is way past after they're looking for alton and the young child alton was spot spotted in town in kenosha at a club um getting a on a payphone with a nine-year-old hailing a, ca- a taxi cab out of town and they were never mm-hmm. seen after that so dang yeah so right now the manhunt is on for alton um they set up roadblocks they're looking for the young girl and uh even in, in at that time you know they're they're trying really hard because the mother's desperate um you know the the community's in an uproar because this kid this guy alton was on was on bail he's a convicted sex offender apparently so the the, the people are finding out about this they're like oh my god you know like how could you let a guy out like this and then they're actually getting mad at the mother because they're like why would you let your nine-year-old go with a guy like this absolutely she's like i didn't know it was just a mess so yeah i think like if you're gonna be friends with anybody normally but if you're gonna be friends with this male and then you have a daughter you gotta do your homework on that person you can't just trust them yeah i mean especially that yeah and it's it's tough man i mean it just and what sucks is this poor woman you know uh was just left to wonder what happened to her child for almost a month dang are you serious yeah people were looking for this young girl desperately in surrounding communities but found nothing it wasn't till june 19th 1984 uh, almost a month later four blocks away from where the grandmother of the child had lived in waukegan illinois at an abandoned house uh, or or actually four blocks away from alton's grandmother's house so he took her back home to mm. his, to his uh, neck of the woods uh where witchcraft was still performing witchcraft um there was a abandoned house getting renovated and the owner came back in and to the house and started smelling a smell because he hadn't been there in about a month and he was going to do some work to the house as he walked upstairs and went into the bathroom he found a naked nine-year-old oh. vernita in the uh in the bathtub naked and deceased oh man uh her decomposing body uh was obviously leaving the smell um the police were called to the scene and determined that the cause of death was strangulation as bed sheets had been ripped off the bed upstairs and tied around her neck and she had been sexually assaulted and raped what a nine-year-old a nine-year-old <sighs> So that is so sick. A nine-year-old. Yeah, mm. this th- these two together, like, and here's the thing with this one. This one possibly 
it's never we'll never know the truth they didn't find any dna or stuff or any kind of like hairs or any fingerprints to prove that she was there so this is Mm. most likely alton on his own Mm. but Mm -mm. this nine-year-old would would suffer the fate a nine-year-old though dude are you serious yep so this one it gets tougher um the manhunt was out for the sexual deviant alton coleman um so oh go ahead at this point is the girl with him or at this point he's still alone we don't know for a hundred percent well she's with him but on this particular offense we don't know if she was We, we still don't know if she participated at all. Mm. So, um, Alton and Deborah would, would stay hidden out at a friend's house, um, that lived in Waukegan, not too far from the abandoned house. And they laid low until Alton borrowed the man's truck and never returned it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what friends do, right? Yeah, exactly. And both of them were on their on the road to Gary, Indiana. So they, they I think they went up north. Um so uh you know he would target those in the African immuni- uh African American communities and befriend strangers, sometimes assaulting them for their money or conning them out of their money. And he was very good at this in the in the area of Gary, Indiana, but never got caught. Mm. So here's another one that's, again, if you got a squeamish stomach, and uh, this one's tough right here, too. Um, Another listener discretion advised. They're still in Gary, Indiana at this point on June 17th, 1984. So almost a month after they found the body of the nine-year-old, they approached a nine-year-old Annie Turks and her seven-year-old niece. So it's a little bit weird, the dynamic here, the nine-year-old aunt with her seven-year-old niece, but that's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, the two were headed to the candy store, and <clears throat> Coleman came up to them and asked them if they wanted some free clothing. Now, again, this is before Stranger Danger. This is before, you know, the nation of America began to, you know, North America began to push stranger danger don't take candy from strangers you had all the mm-hmm. the you know the president um, reagan before they they started really talking about those uh you know kidnapped kids and uh, sexually abused and murdered kids they pushed that year later in 84 and and into his more into his presidency to fight against that and to push the, those commercials and tv shows to to make kids aware that it's a sad world we live in at that time that you can't trust anybody anymore. You know, you got to really watch out. Don't take candy from strangers. Don't talk to strangers, you know, even the fact of sending kids alone to the store. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you used to see kids grown butt off the damn couch and go yourself. Yep. Cause so many kids were lost that way through that time period. And even up to recent times. Mm -hmm. So it's, so it's really sad, but, but, you know, I wish 
those parents were like you said gabby more responsible at that time because man maybe it could it could have uh saved these two young children from uh what they had to endure um so what happens is is when he gets when he tells them hey you know i got some clothes they see deborah you know they figure a woman she's got to be safe she's not going to do nothing to us but she pulls out some clothes but they're ripped and she Mm. begins to tie up both of them they tie up their hands and feet and also around their mouth to silence them um brown was holding the seven-year-old's uh nose uh till she or not nose but her uh her mouth too because she was trying to yell through the the uh shirt tied around her mouth um she began to cry she got loose and started to to yell and cry a little bit uh alton got pissed and he and her began to stomp the seven-year-old out Come on. They stomped her out. Yo. Yo. Yeah. Why did they... uh, That's one thing I don't get. Why did they get mad? Like, what do you expect is going to happen? Yep. And Deborah was a willing participant. She stomped as much as Alton did. Why is she acting out? Mm, they took the young girl, Tamika, about 15 yards or more into the brush and just threw her body like a piece of trash. Mm. Discarded her. Now they came back to the nine-year-old. So that's it? They just took her to kill her? Yeah. Because she was too loud. That's sad. But possibly that saved her from what happened next. They would, and I mean they, sexually assaulted the nine-year-old. They? They. Meaning? Meaning Deborah used objects. Oh, my God. Alton raped And and this woman is willing participate. She's right there doing more damage because she used objects, whether it was a a branch to a bottle on the poor nine year old, to where oh. it literally moved parts of her intestines. Oh my god. <sighs> Hey, man, this is a tough one. Yep. (sighs) She was beaten, but she had passed out from the pain from the sexual assault. So they they thought they killed her. They thought they killed her. So (laughs) you're telling me she survived. Yeah, they, they, they left her there on the side of the road and they took off. Now, this nine-year-old woke up with, and this is rough to see too, she's naked. Parts of her intestines are coming out of her genitalia. 
Ooh. How does that happen? <laughs> Are you serious? Yep. So oh. it's like they punctured her insides so bad that her intestines are coming out. They probably ripped her stomach lining and all of that. Oh. And no telling what it just. Oh my god. Oh man, that little girl. She limped to the to the road where a passing motorist thankfully scooped her up and took her straight to the hospital. And she would survive. Damn. How the. Yeah, that was tough. She, um, she had to endure several surgeries. And, uh, you can see her story on YouTube if you look her up. Okay. Um, Coleman and Brown, though, would keep going. They didn't let that affect them one bit. The next day, Donna Williams, 25, of Gary, Indiana, was reported missing. Almost a month later, on July 11th, Donna Williams' decomposing body was found in Detroit, Michigan, along with her car parked a half mile away. It was a rundown area of Detroit. She had been raped and the cause of death was ligature strangulation with her own shirt, similar to the kids that had been wrapped around her neck. Uh, uh, uh. Both Coleman and Brown participated in the rape of this woman as well. See, I felt bad for the girl because... Her life was already messed up when she was little because of her IQ and being affected mentally. But you can't be that bad if you have such disgusting thoughts and ideas on what to do to another human. Much worse doing that to a child. You can't be that twisted. You can't be... I mean, yeah, you're twisted. You can't be that messed up. Exactly. Because I don't think somebody so innocent and mentally disabled could think of doing something like that to somebody. It's just on another level of depravity, right? Yeah. Absolutely. So these two, these two, Whatever fire it lit under Coleman, Deborah was a hundred percent behind him, as we'll find out later on. Like, like she's just she's right there with him. Oh my god! She's wow. Like, he's like jumping. She's like, how high? Basically. Wow. That hits home. I have a child that age, and I can kill the person who ever tried to do something to my daughter. Yep. That is disgusting. Mm. Yeah. It's, like, it's... I know you already moved on to this 25-year-old, and I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on that because I'm in complete disbelief of what they did to her. No, I know. Yeah. It's 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 ridiculous. Like I said, the YouTube story, I mean, she goes into more detail. and yeah. So it's, it's tough. 
You got me when you said the intestines. Some of her intestines came out of her vaginal. That, that, that got me right there. Yep. Not just the fact of the crap she was using. Like, like why? How does that make somebody get off? Like Torture. Oh, that's so nasty. Yep. So we have to we have to move on now. Again, they found the other woman, you know, in July, but two days after they killed her, or three days after, the next stop is Dearborn Heights, Michigan. Um, June twenty eighth. Um, they walked into the home of Mr. and Mrs. Palmer Jones. Mr. Palmer was handcuffed and severely beaten, and Miss Palmer, who was attacked, was beaten as well. The couple were fortunate, though, to survive. After robbing uh, them, Coleman and Brown took Palmer's car, so the two suffered a beating, but at least they were able to live on. So for whatever reason, they didn't sexually or murder these people, at least, you know, but they took a beating, but they survived. Mm. Damn. The couple's next attack happened in Toledo, Ohio, July 5th, uh, you know, of uh, the July 4th weekend, Independence Day here in America. Uh, Coleman managed to worm his way into a house owned by Virginia Temple, who was the mother of a household of small children. She had uh, four other kids and her oldest was a nine-year-old daughter, Rochelle. Oh, shoot. That's no good. No. Um, the four kids, however, were not harmed. So, okay. But the, the thing is that police were called when the family did not show up somewhere that they were supposed to show up. And it was later in the evening. So the police made a welfare check as they came to Rochelle's and her mother's home. Uh... Virginia, um, they would find the four kids in the room huddled together in the corner, scared to death, thinking that there was still someone in the house. The two kids said that mommy and sister were screaming and there was a man and a woman in the house telling them to be quiet else they would be killed. Um, the police searched the house. They didn't find anything at first, but in a crawl space just below the house they found the mother virginia and the nine-year-old rochelle strangled to death what they had both been sexually assaulted i thought you said nothing happened to the kids the four other kids oh. but the oldest one suffered yep <sighs> mm, yep you know, these guys, yeah, I see why you said listener's discretion is advised. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the police at this time hadn't linked everything up, obviously, because we're talking about the 80s. Police departments don't talk to each other, so that's slowing down everything. But now you're having these big time murders of kids in different communities. At some point, they're going to link them together. They just, oh, yeah, absolutely. They're going to have to. Yeah. So um, they would go on to continue to rob people, stealing cars, and just doing whatever they wanted every day. 
and just getting away with it day after day. Um, they would run into on July 12, 1984, Tony Story, 15 year old, uh, who was going to the local community center. It was a she, her name was Tony, T O N I. Um, she signed up for a computer class in 1984. So, kid was smart. You know, this young girl's trying to get out of the bad neighborhood. She was very smart. She's getting into computers when computers were beginning to be a thing. And if you think of all the millionaires and billionaires today, it's because they got into Silicon Valley. They got into that stuff when it was breaking out in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. And she was, she had computers on her mind. She, she was one of those first gamers with a green screen computer, the old box. And she was going to make something of herself. But we'll never know if she would have made it or not because Coleman and Brown got to her first. Dang. They would have ducked her off the street, take her into a abandoned area of the, the neighborhood, rape her and torture her and strangle her to death. Mm. Now, when they left her body, though, here's where they made a mistake the mother of the nine-year-old Virginia uh, Virginia had a bracelet that was around her wrist that was stolen with a lot of other stuff that was stolen from the house when, wait you're the nine-year-old with, oh, with uh, Rochelle the nine-year-old remember the mother daughter yeah so when they murdered her they took some of her jewelry when okay. they got to the 15 year old Tony when they were done with her they left her body in a secluded abandoned area but I guess in the transferring of her body Virginia the mother from the other murder case her bracelet was left underneath the body dang mm. so, so they now, linked themselves yes they, they were looking Ugh. for missing jewelry and right away it showed up in that neighborhood with another murder so now they know they got a serial killer Mm. and now they're thinking is it the is it this Alton guy we're looking for so all, it's starting to come together now a little bit mm. Mm. so as the police were trying to link the murders um, they had some witnesses in both cities that were starting to come come clean and the news spread of the 15 year old dead in uh, in that neighborhood Reverend Mr. and Mrs. Millard Gay of Dayton, Ohio, went to the police to tell them that they picked up a man named Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown in Dayton, Ohio, who were living on the streets uh, just mere hours before Virginia and Rochelle were murdered. They said they had taken them to the home, gave them a good meal, preached to them a little bit, and uh, offered them a place to go, uh, you know, for a couple hours, which was the uh, you know the the service the next day at the church but they had been gone at the time period of the mother and daughter being murdered there in Dayton and the reverend uh, dropped them off in the neighborhood where the 15 year old was abducted and kidnapped and mm-hmm. raped later that afternoon so he put two and two together and told the police about it and this got the FBI involved this got the uh, Illinois State Police everybody was looking for the Coleman and Brown combination. 
Dang. As, as At least they now they know who it is. Yep. And as the description of Coleman came out, they got a picture of him and Deborah. It was shown to the nine-year-old and that survived. And she identified them as the murder of her niece and all the atrocities that took place for her. So because of that, and also the, the nine-year-old that they would, that they found earlier, um, he is now on the FBI's 10 most wanted list at this point. Mm. So they're really looking after him. They're, they're using all, you know, you got all kinds of bounty hunters looking for this dude. Like they're setting up roadblocks through the different States like like he's they they want him bad badly do yeah. they want him dead or alive yeah there's there's that whole thing like hey bring him in by any means necessary we know he's armed he's you know he's got money uh they don't care you know like he's he's not going to cooperate so they're not taking any chances so uh so we move to uh, July 13th and Coleman and Brown somehow avoid all of the <laughs> all of the um what's it called roadblocks because these two decide not to take a car not to take a train not to take a plane they take steal some, they steal some bicycles and take the back oh, routes uh, yeah i mean by any means necessary yeah they they bike their way out and uh they get to of all places, Norwood, Ohio. So they, they went on quite the bike trip. And they come to a home the in a trailer park, which the trailer was for sale by Harry and Marlene Walters. The Alton came in there charismatic saying, hey, you know what? I'd like to buy this trailer. You know, me and my wife, we need a place to stay. How much do you want? Can we take a look for it? Look, uh, look, see, they go inside. And immediately, uh, Alton grabs a candle holder and starts beating Harry over the head. Deborah starts beating the woman. Uh, they render uh, Harry unconscious as he's bleeding from the forehead. Uh, the, then the couple viciously rape and beat Marlene Walters to death. Ugh. So they literally split her husband's head open. He dies. And then they rape his wife before killing her. <sighs> See, man, these these two. Yep. They gotta go. They gotta go, yeah. They gotta go. And you know what? It seemed like she is more... I mean, I know she's the follower, but she seems like the one that's more or less doing all the action. Not all of it, but she's like she's the aggressive she might be the more aggressive one you guys brought up a very good point that i was going to follow up on now matt you know what you working with tools you know what a vice is right oh yeah and you know how you turn that thing and it gets tighter and tighter tighter and tighter an extreme force because it's supposed to hold like pipes it could oh yeah it could bend pipes Mm -hmm. you know wait a minute don't tell me they use that Indeed, they did. Hey, man. Marlene, before she died, she had been beaten over the head. Um, her husband was beaten over the head 25 times. Damn. But after she had been raped 
tortured and beaten already. Don't tell me. They put her head in a vice. Oh, what? Crushing her head. Oh. Are you going to tell me that was her idea? That was her. I'm telling you, man. She is disgusting. She. I'm telling you. Her cheekbones and her skull was. Oh, gone. Yes. Yeah. Big time. Oh my God. How do people come up with this? That's some saw. That is. So they robbed the family of whatever they could, and they made their, they made their way down to Williamsburg, Kentucky. Off uh, with her crap and off with his wing and their hands and their fingers and their eyes and everything. Oh, yeah, they got to go. Yeah, death by a thousand stabbings. That's for sure. Yeah. Screw the stabbings. <laughs> Chop them up in pieces, little by little. Make them feel real pain. Pull Dahmers on their freaking brains. Yeah, they yeah. need water torture first, and then do all that. They are disgusting. You don't mess with the kids, man. Nope. Yeah, that 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 already sealed their fate. But torturing people like this, like, come on, man. That's like the epitome of overkill. Like, yeah, yeah, yep. Ah. <sighs> They get down to uh, Williamsburg, Kentucky. They find a professor who's well off, Mr. Carmichael Jr., and they rob him of all his possessions. Most of his, you know, he's got some pretty expensive jewelry, pretty expensive mm-hmm. things, nice car. They throw him in the back of the car and they drive back to Ohio for some reason. So they drive back to Dayton, Ohio. Um, with a professor in the back of the car but for some reason they get out of the car and they're like ah we just don't want this car it's probably hot and they leave him inside the car but fortunately where they left him he made enough noise someone walked by called the police and they were able to rescue him before he suffocated or just you know had another fate and uh, he was able to describe Coleman and Brown and now they knew that they were back in town you know, so now the FBI is all over there, and these two talk about freaking balls on these two. They go back, they found out that the Reverend was on TV giving them up, telling them what they had done. They went there at gunpoint to confront the Reverend and his wife, pointed guns at them. But whether it was prayer or divine intervention, whatever you want to call it. They did not hit or beat the Reverend and his wife. They just stole their car and left for Evanston, Illinois. I'm shocked. Yep. I thought they would have killed them. No, I mean, again, I I don't know if these if the couple were on their their knees praying to God in front of them. That's what I'm saying. I was thinking that too. Yeah, so, something happened to where the Reverend and his wife were just left alone. So. Yeah, I, I was thinking that maybe they were praying or maybe they said something that convinced them not to torture them. Yep. So the two went on to Evanston, Illinois, but on their way to Evanston, they figured, hey, we need another car. And basically 
you know, they're in Indianapolis now, Illinois, and uh, they get out of the, the preacher's car, and there's a 75-year-old by the name of Eugene Scott just minding his uh. own business, and the old man doesn't want to give up his car. So the two shot him to death and took the car. Hey, your Good life man. is worth more than a vehicle. Yep. But still, I mean, like, come on, man. Just push the guy down and take the car and go. Like, you ain't got to kill him. Yeah, don't kill the guy. I'm not saying they should have killed him, but I'm saying, like, if you're in that situation and they're threatening you because they want to take your car, give up the damn car. That is true as well. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's true. But... You're an older person. Like, how are you going to fight these two people? Just give up the damn car and move aside. Some people are stubborn or some people still think they got it. I don't know, but that's sad because he paid with his life. He sure did. He sure did. And that sucked. It was just another, you know, unfortunate soul that got in their way. And, uh, I lost count of the body count. I ain't gonna lie. I want to say 12. Well, I'll I'll give you the updated numbers at the end because it comes into play as well. Okay, but um, so they live. They leave Evanston once they get there. They're not there for too long. Um, or actually, no, they get there and they're they're settling in a little bit. It's not too far from Waukegan, Illinois, but um, Waukegan is not a big city still to this day. I mean, it's it's fairly big, but not that big. Uh, but at the time, it was smaller, obviously, in the eighties. And there was someone that grew up with Alton that just happened to be in Evanston, Illinois. And again, although he's on the 10 most wanted list, seeing him and being able to definitively say, hey, I know this guy. He walks like him. He is him. His characteristics, I know it's him. Because they're getting leads all over the place because of all the states he's been. But this guy was adamant. He's like, I seen him. I grew up with him in Waukegan. He's here in Evanston. You've got to come here. And he got on a payphone. and kudos to him. He called the right people. The police believed him. They came down with all their detectives. They, He says, I'm following him right now. He's at a park in Evanston. He's with a young lady. And they knew right away. Oh, What's that? Oh, dang. He he, he dropped he, he dropped the, what do you call it? 411. Yeah, he dropped the knowledge on him. Oh, yeah, he did. And um, so the police come. They have SWAT team. They, they, they're all geared up, right? And Deborah sees him from afar and all of a sudden like she walks up like nothing just starts walking off the park bench and freaking Alton's just sitting there on the park bench watching as police are coming closer and closer with guns drawn yelling at him to put his hands up he's just sitting there like whatever so they throw him to the ground they start you know looking through you know they, they handcuff him they start searching him they find all these you know uh these IDs from different people on him. They find some jewelry and then she's walking out thinking she's got the slip, but here's officers. And, you know, on the other side of the park, they come up with guns drawn. They find IDs and money and a couple handguns on her and her purse. Cause I guess he slipped her the guns while he saw the officers come up. So they're both, they're both caught right, right then and there. They're just like, Oh, we got our Bonnie and Clyde right here. That's it. We got them. So 
they run the fingerprint analysis on all the cases and these two are sloppy their fingerprints are everywhere so they're they're busted on that because there's no dn uh dna at this point in 1984 mm-hmm. um but it would later be found out through the the evidence whether it was hairs blood um semen uh fingerprints them being seen at these places that the two would be convicted of eight murders seven rapes three kidnappings along with a numerous amounts of assaults uh with a intent to kill battery robbery convictions um and sexual assaults which the latter of the obviously the rapes and murders all the even the kidnappings and the assault charges and the rate of uh, the attempted rapes and battery that would all be dropped only the murders and uh, rapes would be taken to court why would they dropped yeah because that's a you'd have to get have more taxpayer money to investigate and then also get all those other people involved in the cases so they just figured let's just stick with the murders and stick with the rapes and charge them on those bs so um this would be an a, a first of its kind you know how like usually murders that like uh we've done on here where they've gone cross country or that you know they'll pick the worst atrocities that happened in one of the states and try them there yeah and then they just launch the case that way well ohio and illinois couldn't make up their mind on who wanted him worse and they're like we want him no we want him basically and they decided to have two separate uh uh, trials for both of them they were like no we want him first or we want they actually had a fight to see who got him first are you serious yeah dang so they wanted him bad um in ohio uh they wanted him for the murders of uh marlene walters and uh and uh in the um the other tanya story or tony story uh they wanted him for that and uh the trial for brown was set the judge in a note uh for, for Alton Coleman and for the trial of Deborah Brown, Alton Coleman was there as a witness. He slipped a um, piece of paper to uh, to the judge. Um, he told his lawyer to give the judge the paper and the lawyer didn't want to do it, but he has to do it because that's his client. And uh, the for the to- for the 15 year old, he he wrote in the uh, the note to the judge because the judge had asked him questions and he was just being quiet on purpose in the note it read I killed the bitch and I don't give a damn I had fun doing it wow that was his testimony to help Deborah. <laughs> wow well well <laughs> yeah and the judge was blown away by the no remorse by both of them None of them had remorse. None of them had remorse whatsoever. Um, The grandmother was still alive at this point, and she was in the courtroom making a scene by uh, she had to be thrown out, couldn't come back to one of the um, uh, one of the uh, what's it called? One of the court dates because she had been um, casting spells during testimony. Oh, my God. Wow. 
So to who? <laughs> she was she was uh, putting curses on the detectives and also the judge. The judge. Oh, okay, you have a disgusting grandson that I don't know why the hell you saved him. You bullied him his whole life, and now you're there to back him up. Correct. Stupid. <laughs> they encouraged the behavior. Yep, yep. And the thing was, too, Deborah was in court, and she was blowing kisses to Alton when she was testifying for him. Are you serious? Yeah, and she was saying that, that he was the love of her life. And that they oh, did yeah, things together. Uh, she was, uh, he, she was telling him, "Don't worry, baby, I'll see you again." He was telling her the same kind of thing. It disgusted all of the people that were there, family members of those who were murdered, obviously, because there's quite a few. Wow. So um, Ohio got the first shot at him, and they gave him the death penalty. And Illinois, uh, not to be outdone, gave him the death penalty as well. Mm -hmm. And an additional 100 years uh, for Alton. Brown received an additional 40 years um, also and the death penalty. Charges of kidnapping and child molesting. And uh, Alton Coleman, uh, you know, he he filed some appeals. You know, he was found uh, to be guilty in 86 after the court court case. He didn't last too long. 16 years later, he died by lethal injection. Now, the interesting thing is, had he survived that lethal injection, he was due for execution in Illinois. So mm -hmm. <laughs> he was ready to get killed twice. <laughs> um, and her. Now, here's the twist. Oh, please don't. I haven't heard you say a twist in a long time, Zach. Yeah, this is a twist right here. Um, the Ohio Correctional Facility, who was housing Deborah Brown at this point, uh, decided that her death sentence would be commuted to life because of her IQ scores, her nonviolent history prior to meeting <laughs> Coleman. <laughs> The, the psychiatrist diagnosed her with dependent personality and, okay. and she was susceptible to Alton Coleman's control. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why her twisted mind had the most sickest ideas. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So uh, got, Coleman got off of the death penalty mm -hmm. and he was commuted to life. Now, Here's the thing, though. Here's another twist to the story. All right. Um, she <laughs> she's been a model prisoner, and she, uh, Ohio, wants, or not wants to, but might parole her. Oh, come on. Uh, uh, uh. However, Illinois State uh, Police, as well as Illinois uh, state lawmakers and uh, the judicial system over there decided uh-uh if they ever choose to parole her she will face the death penalty automatically in Illinois they don't care about her IQ so they're actually encouraging Ohio to release her because thank hey, you hey, Illinois hey, we don't play that <laughs> yeah they, they want to take credit for putting one of these monsters to death 
She's currently 63 years of age and still alive right now. She's still alive. Off with her head. Hey, Ohio, it's all good. Just just let Illinois take over. Yeah. We're going to be okay. Turn her over. Let her loose because they said the day that she's released is the day she's getting scooped up and she'll be on death row. And they do it. Yep. But that's the story of uh, Alton Coleman and Deborah Brown. She needs prison justice. I'm sure she got it. No, because she's still alive. Yeah, but I'm sure she got some. Big Bertha in there got a stick for her, too. Nope, something ain't enough. Off with her. She don't deserve to live. Yeah. I mean, to to know what these despicable people did and, and how many lives they ruined. Uh, Children. Yeah, there's there's uh, several um, YouTube uh, interviews with some of the, well, especially the nine-year-old that's all grown up now, and all the uh, victims, and just how it affected the neighborhoods and everything else like that. I mean, it's man, it's despicable stuff. Oh my god, this one really pissed me off. Yep, I don't even know what to say, man. I mean, I wish they would have cut, like, you know, like King Solomon, uh, you know, when they had to decide who baby belonged to which woman. Cut, and he was like, hey, let's cut them in half. And, you know, you each get one baby each. They should have did that to to Alton. Let's cut him in half and send him to what Ohio. <laughs> and, let him, <laughs> and then the other house in Illinois, man. Here you go. There, there, there is body. That would have been a good torture. Just cut him straight through while he's alive. You know, and I, I hate to say it, man, because what if they did that to him like they did in the Bible or how they wanted to with him as a baby? Or what if the grandma didn't want, take him out of the trash? You know what? It's an oxymoron, man. I know it's horrible to think it, but she shouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, who would have who known? I mean, because I think the way that he was you know um conceived you never know like the 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 john could have been on drugs the mom mom could have most likely been on drugs that could have affected the way he was acting as a child and possibly so i mean the kid was probably crap crap. he was possessed by demons i think it was a demon he had a demon (laughs) yeah i mean he could have been screwed from inception so uh or conception uh this is it's crazy i mean it, it is crazy and you can look up the uh i think there is video too of deborah brown in, in court and and some of the things that she said so uh, i don't even want to see the hoe i don't want to hear her i don't want to see a picture i <laughs> i kind of want to see a picture of them too it's just beyond me. This case is beyond me. I don't. I hate the bastard. I don't know him. He. Sh- I'm sorry to think this, but that's what they deserve. They should have never lived. All the people's lives they destroyed just for them existing. But I have this hate for her. Because yeah. I cannot believe 
that a person with struggles could be so disturbingly disgusting at the end of the day yeah he's a pig he did what he did and so did she but her mind just went further she's just this thick freaking demonized soul to think of the horrible things to do to people yeah, she's... so honestly right now I'm more mad and I hate her more than I could hate him and I hope she gets prison justice. She, that trash doesn't deserve to live. Yeah, I mean, it's. She has spoken. <laughs> yeah, she has spoken. <laughs> like, like, seriously though, she. It, it sucks that she's still breathing, because I agree. I've heard people like when they do the testimony of, uh, you know, when they, when when they're in when they're in jail. You know, like they'll they'll say, you know, you shouldn't be breathing the same air, you know, as we are right now. They're offended by that, and I think this is one of those cases where it's like, yeah, I I wish they, you know, I bet you a lot of the families wish that they weren't breathing the air, you know. Yeah, she's a waste of a life. Yep, and I'll show you. Nope. Since you asked for it, I'll, I'll send you the pictures right now. <laughs> Let's see. You gotta go. Let's see if you can see this right here. I sent them right there. Uh, oh, I see it. Nope. See, the one in the middle is Alton in his, la- I guess, his last appeal. Oh, I see it. And that's what they looked like in their heyday when they were first arrested. And that's she what looked like. She looked like she had some issues. Yep. Yeah, especially in the picture with the two of them together, you could tell she probably had some something going on. Alton over there, he he got some demons. Yeah, they looked pretty scary. I mean, I'll send you an, another one right now where it's like they're they're in prison. They're just talking together. This is like the preliminary stuff. And uh, yeah, they were they were uh, they were feared. I know uh, a lot of people stayed away from him while he was in prison. Wow. Oh, I see it. Crazy. Disgusting people. I mean, unfortunately, they weren't the first, but they weren't the last either. You know, there's there's been couples or at least, you know, people that team up to do some really sick things to children and others. The sick world we live in. It sure is. Well, that one was tough, man. But uh, thank you, Todd, for breaking down that story. Yeah. And uh, we thank you guys for listening in. Uh, we're going to end it there. Uh, but before we do, quick reminder where you can find us uh, go to Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, just type in Grinding Two Crimes. You can listen to us on Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, Pandora, Podvine, and Zencaster. And if you're outside the U.S., you can listen to us on Radio Public, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Podchaser. Uh, yeah, that's it. This has been another episode of Grinding True Crime. And this is your host, Maddie Matt, along with Gabby Gab and Todd Fox. And we are out of here.
Toodles. Peace. Yeah, you gotta listen to the show, you know. You gotta <laughs> knock them out like Rocky, man. Don't let them get the best of you. <laughs>